Welcome to the official Glasgow International Comedy Festival podcast sponsored by Sparkling Studios. This is the first ever official comedy festival podcast. We'll be bringing you the top talents from across the festival here at the podcast and we're hoping to showcase Glasgow's humour to the world. I'm comedian Scott Agnew and in this first episode I'll be chatting with Scotland's favourite kilted camper, Mr Craig Hill. We'll also be hearing some of our Festival Fast Fives, uh, short bursts of interviews uh, with some of our favourites at the festival. That includes today, Vanity Von Glow and Jamie MacDonald. So keep listening, but first of all, please enjoy my afternoon blather with Mr Craig Hill. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody in between, welcome to the official Glasgow International Comedy Festival podcast. Uh, my guest today is Scotland's favourite kilted camper, the cheekiest crack in all of the Scottish circuit, uh, and he's joining us um, from what looks like a very, very glamorous studio. He's put his Zoom backdrop on, um, but I had to disappoint him and say that we're on audio, so you lovely people at home can't see this. But please, welcome Craig Hill. Hello and welcome. And can I just say that's very much a pretty woman moment, isn't it? Big mistake, huge. Huge. I thought thought when we were doing a podcast, somebody said, oh, be nice, get your your pass, make it look nice in the background. And I don't know how you felt about the whole Zoom thing, but you started getting, during the last couple of years, you started getting Zoom envy. It was, you suddenly realised people had nicer houses in the background <laughs> than you did. I always so looked, I started coming up. I always kind of looked like... Um, like I'd been kind of held hostage in the Lebanon, you know, with my house because I just did a sort of plain white background. I had nothing, nothing fancy, but you've got, know, you've got a lovely kind of cabaret showbiz thing going on. I know, I knew gays who started ordering in fleurs for the <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> and then the whole time I was doing it, Scott, I started, do you know, because, you know, you're like when you're a comedian, you're just kind of, you're bored, you're not working and you're just thinking the whole time. So I started going, I was walking about going, remember that song? I don't know if you remember that song from the 70s or 80s, uh, Zoom, I think it's 70s. It goes, I started going, Zoom, how far my internet went, do so many people trying to talk to Zoom. And I started going, Zoom, you stole my life Because you had to make it fun, didn't you? You had to be. Because it was it was a tough old couple of years, but that that was yes. lovely. That was some lovely Stevie Wonder. I enjoyed that. Well, um, actually, um, I don't know if it was Stevie Wonder that sang it, but I'm really pleased you thought it was. All right, there you go. Actually, man, I've got a wee favourite Christmas song by Stevie Wonder. Go on, and uh, it's such a weird choice. You would never think, but I actually quite like it. And then I realised the words were a bit strange. It goes, one day at Christmas, men will be boys, playing with bombs like kids play with toys. <laughs> and I was like, bombs? Bombs? I was, uh, like, yeah. I was like, oh, maybe I should be singing this song. It's a bit sad. But um, it was all about one day life will be nice and peaceful and that'll all happen. But it's a beautiful song. But uh, a beautiful song. Sentiment's lovely, but we're clearly 30 years down the line, 40 years down the line, and they further follow. Men are still playing with bombs, you know. But Oh, bombs, no bums. <laughs> oh, all right, sorry. <laughs> I don't oh. think Stevie Wonder would be singing that. No, sorry. <laughs> That's really funny. We should do that. We should come on together to that song. To, to that, that song. Because well, <laughs> I always, because I like his version, I don't know how, I like Stevie Wonder's version of Ave Maria. 
So have you heard him sing? Oh, I don't think I've heard him sing that. Oh, so it's beautiful and it's very kind of operatic and all the rest of it. And then, so because I, I was thinking I might have this for my funeral. Do you know what I mean? Oh, That's nice to plan ahead. Oh, you've got to think ahead, <laughs> you know. That's lovely. What, what? You must have had a lovely day planning that. <laughs> it was a long lockdown. What is the song? You mean him so, doing Ave Maria? Ave Maria. And it's, and it's all very emotional and lovely. And then about three quarters of the way in, he comes out with the mouth organ. Oh, that's quite funny. <laughs> I've always thought, I've always thought uh, it'd be quite funny to have a wee tape. No, even a DVD. No, it have to be a tape that you play at your funeral going, Oh no, that's me, dude. <laughs> and just just speak to everyone going, how are you all feeling? Is anyone greeting? Like, imagine you having something greeting. that you planned for uh-huh. that day. It'd be a bit weird, wouldn't it? But uh, it might be quite nice because you'd sound alive. You'd sound like you were still fine. Well, you would hope it would give them a wee... You would hope it wouldn't frighten them, dude. That'd a wee bit mean. of entertainment. Exactly. Because, well, <laughs> well, you know, well, well, we've, we've spent a lifetime entertaining people. Craig, have no, so why not have a wee laugh at the very at, last minute? At the very last minute. So, uh, so I should just obviously you are doing your your comedy festival show at Oring Moor for, during. Uh, yes, I am. I'm doing my show. Pumped. Pumped. <laughs> <laughs> are you, uh, it's seriously, uh, funny about that. You know how I always have a wee double entendre. Yes. It never occurred. I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, oh, I've never had a one-word title before. It always has to sound a wee bit rude and a wee bit silly and funny. And then um, I suddenly realised when, when it wasn't underneath my name, it just looked like I farted. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it is? <laughs> I never realised it's a critical pump. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Well, uh, so you've treble entendred yourself? I've treble entendred. That's exactly uh-huh. what I've done. I didn't even think about it. So, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I would have called it that if I'd thought about that. But, but you know, I've always, I was like a wee silly um, double you, entendre. Because uh, you had, what, was it come on, is it come down the front? Why don't you come down the front? Why don't Which you I come? Thought sounded quite, <laughs> I thought it sounded quite innocent. Yes, very then, innocent. Um, apparently the most shocking one, which I didn't think was shocking, but my agent said when she handed people flyers in the street, they recoiled. Really? <laughs> what <laughs> the, one was the, that? The most shocking one was, it was the one where I did a kind of Marilyn Monroe parody where I had the white kilt on and the white shirt, and the kilt is in the air. And you know, and I'm pushing it, I'm holding it down, yeah, yeah. and because the wind's blown up, and I called it blown by a fan. <laughs> and, I, and I thought that was okay because I actually had a fan in the photograph. You yes. could see uh-huh. I was being blown by a fan. But apparently, that was the one that people were like, "Oh my god, that's too much." Too but, much. You know, got you'd gone too far. Because <laughs> you've gone I think I'm so that gone too far. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just think it's anything that makes people smile when you're walking past the poster. Do you know? Because yeah, it's there's so many shows on during the film. Yes. You just and plus, once you get into that habit of you know having silly uh, double entendre titles, you you get to point you can't you're not allowed to do that and you can't no, not do it because people right, well that, that that becomes part of the thing like folk start to look forward to it. Um, I know a few comedians have said to me, I says I do sit and think I wonder what he's going to call it this year, <laughs> so, <laughs> and then I think oh well oh well need pressure, so I think I better think of something silly. Because so, what, what was the previous was it the previous one? There was another one. Was it Jock's Trap? Yeah, that was one of my least favourites because I didn't really think it worked in the photograph and I looked like I was trapped and I, and I don't think we read that as jockstrap. And the one that people didn't get was, um, there was one called, I, I thought it was really funny, it was um, Come On The Lads. Come on. And, um, and, I'm, and we, we did one as if I'm kicking football and actually a guy dressed turned up to my show dressed as George Best. Seriously? Thinking, 
I said to him, oh, no, you think that show is about Sampo? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's quite the opposite. And actually, he was doing a show where he was playing George Best, so he'd come dressed in the football strip. In the football strip. Oh, the poor. Sat at the front. Can you imagine the, the laugh I had with that guy? That, that, that would have been... With his wee tiny shorts on, sitting in front of my, <laughs> sitting, sitting in front of my, he was all ball. Was he all ball? <laughs> <laughs> I um, mean, because he had his ball with him, obviously. Of course, of course. But you know, it was nice. It was that dedicated. That he clearly came straight from the show. You know, never. He, he came twice. I, I could call my show back <laughs> twice. He did. He brought his. He did. He brought his girlfriend back the second time. And uh, and then I went to see his show, and it was brilliant about oh. George Best's family. So I made, I made a wee pal. Oh, that's good. See, look at that. Just show titles, sort of bringing Absolutely. people so together. You would never think. You would never think. So yep. there you are. Oh. So yeah. So um, so what 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 um, what has pumped got in store for us then? <laughs> I mean, you're not the first person to ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> What's Grace Hill pumped got? Actually, stuff do you know what? Do you know you'll probably find this. It was really hard when um, good title as well. It was really hard not to talk about the last couple of years. Yes, you know when you, when you're writing a show because you, you, comedians just write about life. Yeah, and yeah. what happens to them. And actually, there were lots of ridiculous circumstances out of the scenario in the last couple of years. Do you know, like. Well, I've just kept on. I really miss giving the nurses the clap. Yes. I really, I, <laughs> Every I Thursday, eight o'clock. I used to love that and I'd be thirsty. Because <laughs> so around where I live, nobody chats to each other. And suddenly it was like, for the first time in 17 years, my neighbour spoke to me and she'd never spoken to me before. And then I found out because she thought I was the doctor from next door. Right. She thought you were a doctor. She, well, I've got a doctor next door who's gay and bold. How patronising right. is that? <laughs> and, uh, They're all the she same. Thought, she thought I was him. And uh, anyway, it backfired on her because she asked me for some advice. <laughs> <laughs> for some medical advice. What was her complaint? Uh, so she said, um, uh, she said, I've got a pain in my chest or something. And I said, I think that's the I think that might be the guilt from ignoring me for 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was actually it was yeah, it was quite an interesting time. I thought it was quite nice. I felt like everyone in my street made an effort to chat to each other in that kind of way that you know they just didn't really know each other and yeah. there was a wee man at the top of my street played the bagpipes every Thursday and that's what oh, brought everyone together oh bless them that's lovely well that what? started off as bagpipes turned into because bearing in mind this was during the summer started off as bagpipes turned into gin and tonic and then <laughs> about four, four months later me him and his wife were on four to eight chairs following the sun like cats like <laughs> the to street. the end of the street and Thursday night on, I'm not joking Thursday night became a wee clamp for the NHS and then, of course, because I had the doctor next door, I would introduce him and go, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the NHS. <laughs> you know, so it was nice. All the neighbours realised there was a doctor doing a good job in the middle of all this, which was a nice moment. That's nice. And that then is... we, yeah, it was nice. And then we went to the top of the street and then we watched the bee man with the bagpipes. And then he put the bagpipes away. And I said to him, should we get wine for next Saturday? Maybe a gin and tonic? And he went, I, I'll, get, I'll bring four to eight chairs. And I went, I've got scones. <laughs> so it turned into a really nice, there was something nice came out of that. Do you know you didn't expect all that, but it did. Well, I, I have to say, my lockdown was slightly different. You know, I, I live in a you know housing association flat and a close uh-huh. full of depressed, divorced alcoholics. So, unless you can smell something coming through the door, don't go near one another. Right? <laughs> all right, okay. So, it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't start everyone uh, mingling. I, I was kind of glad of that because I, I, I was like, you'd watch things like the one show, and I was like, oh, we've got, we've got a neighbourhood WhatsApp group, and I thought I can't imagine anything worse. But I'm quite a grumpy hermit. So. Oh, really? <laughs> but it yeah. sounds quite nice if you've got the right kind of people 
run about. Well, I, well, I didn't know I did until I did. Well, there you but, go. Um, and it was, it was quite funny. There wasn't all, all that kind of piece. Sc- Scottish people p- pretending they don't mind standing in a garden in the cold. I know. <laughs> there, was so, there was so many things I did. Some of it was quite creative, but I quite liked it. Like, I mean, I started suffering from what I call, now call, Amazonesia. What's Amazonesia? <laughs> Amazonesia. When you fall asleep drunk and then find out you've ordered something on Amazon, you don't right. <laughs> oh. And then the next morning you're absolutely convinced that it wasn't you. <laughs> something so, that's not for me. Is that for you? Taking around all the doors? I'm shouting, through the, I'm shouting through the house to absolutely nobody. Who ordered a telescope? <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently one night I was, um, I was out and I was thinking, you can't really see the moon with your iPhone. You can't really get a picture. I should get a telescope. I bet I could be Bobby. <laughs> and uh, yeah, all these, all these things I ordered on Amazon and I, I even ordered oh there was one this is really pathetic there was one night I said to my friend you know in the middle of all this you just could not have a friend in the house you weren't allowed no so I said to my friend uh, Kirsten I said to her why do we try and watch like cinema in the garden like oh and I said my pal's got a projector I'll sell a tape it to a step ladder or the bed sheets that's what we did honestly it was so mixed we sell a tape to the projector to the, uh, the, the, the step ladder and then celebrate the computer to the step ladder and then the wee speakers to the step ladder and then we put a shower curtain up against a wall <laughs> <laughs> and then on the two wooden bits of the door we pinned them in with safety pins and we watched Little Mix the Search. <laughs> well, of course, because that... That, that I, started, little mix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then it started, it started absolute torrential rain. We got raincoats for the ladder. And for me and her, and I said to her, this is called Scottish resilience. This is probably... We're still outside in the pouring rain watching absolute shite on TV <laughs> just because it feels like a novelty. But in a way, in a way I thought that was quite, it was quite fun because it made you be more creative. And it does give you that, that kind of sort of... Something that I suppose our generation had never ever really experienced like that spirit of the blitz and everybody coming together, <laughs> you know. Uh, without... I suppose, yeah, it was a bit like that, wasn't it? Although and, not, yeah, not um, entirely the same, but you know, it's that. I mean, I, 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 I remember near Christmas thinking, oh, you can't even know, celebrate Christmas. So I remember getting a trestle table out in my front bottom. I've got a front bottom. Oh, have you? It's a bit, <laughs> I have, I'm no joking. Out the front, I always got my front bottom. Out the front, doing the bottom. So why is it not called that? So we sell her. <laughs> underneath the road and I put all my stuff in it so I got a trestle table out my front bottom and put a wee cover on it it had mince pies and mulled wine because you were allowed to meet your pals outside course, as long as yes. you get a wee metre distance and that was how we celebrated no no Christmas day but the build up to Christmas was come down and have a pie <laughs> <laughs> I've never offered anyone my pie before oh, well the, you know the, Lockdown offered us so many new experiences, you know. Come really down, did. come it down really and have did, a pie. Honestly, oh, but I oh, love that. Mincemeat, what, what, mincemeat and my pies. The idea. <laughs> what I did love was that kind of new pose that sort of a lot of Scottish women took on with a ca- with a cardigan that they wrap around their arm, bit clutching, oh, bit clutching their 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 huskies and like that, but determined they were going to finish their conversation as they sort of shook bit by bit. <laughs> Absolutely sitting there, absolutely brass monkeys, right. time to go in. So you were saying you were buying stuff at Amazon. Uh, was that you was was that you adventuring into new hobbies? Um, um yeah, I mean, God, the thing that made me laugh the most was I mean, one does one does get at one with nature. It does. <laughs> one and, does uh, like to get out from <laughs> And I mean, some of this you, you would think was made up, but it's no. Uh I started, you know, you suddenly got that. Oh, would you would you listen to that bird song that I'd normally kind of hear for traffic? <laughs> no. And then I opened my wee door, my wee window in the morning. I thought, 
I wonder what bird that is. I must download an app to identify birds because I'm, <laughs> I'm now 95. <laughs> so I download, and I'm not joking, it, uh, this, you would think I made this up. The first thing that came up is a 99% chance of thrush. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I screenshotted that immediately from my pals. I went, can you believe that app told me I was 99% chance of me listening to thrush <laughs> Thrush in the garden. Carry me thrush. I've not been near empty, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's funny because you know how the big thing was: do you have a garden or do you not have a garden? Well, see, but then you had, then you have garden guilt. See, would I? See, this is I'm I'm one up in the salt market, right? All <laughs> oh, right, I, I, think you meant the one. I thought you meant your two gardens. <laughs> oh, I I was I was devoid of a situatory, right? Um, well, I, I love that expression. A situatory, and it's lovely. I love that. I love that expression. But I do have Glasgow Green on my doorstep, right? Well, that's a sit-outery. See, a, people that, started noticing the, the, the big sit-outeries. The biggest mm-hmm. sit-outery in all of Glasgow. However, if you remember the first time, the first bit of the lockdown, they were dead strict and they taped up the park benches. <laughs> you couldn't even get... Oh, that's right. You couldn't get sitting down. And there was folk, wardens. Uh, not, you know, so you actually had to move. It was like it was like being in some kind of... You know, prison exercise time. You've got you've got an hour, and you must not stop that hour. <laughs> so, was that while Boris was having his party? That was while he was having a wee, <laughs> having a wee chardonnay. <laughs> but yeah, that hour. I found that interesting. That was the most interesting thing for me. Was uh, you know, Scottish people who never even wanted to leave the house before. <laughs> I know. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly were told they only allowed it for an hour. Suddenly they were out all the time running about. I know. Out the <laughs> Even if you didn't want to be out, you had to be out because it was the only hour you were allowed out. <laughs> and and I remember, I remember it started off the first week or something. I remember thinking, I've do I live in Edinburgh? So I remember just walking up Prince Street, walking back, and I thought, oh, this is going to kill me if that's me for the whole lockdown. Yes, right. So then my pal was like, why don't you go and have a week? So I started looking at all the big parts of Edinburgh I've seen for years. Things you'd normally feel guilty, you know, walking about doing absolutely flop all or cycling about. Things that I thought, oh, Chris, you should be doing stuff you should be sitting about. Do you know? But it was that, what I liked about that time was you were suddenly allowed to indulge yourself. Yes. Do you know, like, I, would norm- I wouldn't normally just walk about and go for a wee walk for no reason. No, well, I, and, that's, I've, I had the difficulty because I'll, I'll walk if I've got something to get to. To do. To do. Yeah. But that's so just, just yes. mincing about. I, I started writing down a list of all the wee places in Edinburgh I hadn't been for years and I thought, this is a good time to explore the city you live in. Uh-huh. And then I got quite, I started, and then I started reading a wee bit about the history of each place and then going to take photographs and I found it fascinating. So the most interesting thing I found out was that, now this is, this is I'm going to get, I'm going to get right out if I'm an intellectual. That's all right. We can, get, I found out, we can be highbrow. Um, yes, I found out that um, uh, Charles Dickens uh-huh. in the, um, I think it was the late 1800s, was in Edinburgh and he had some time off and he went to this graveyard in the Royal Mile and it had a grave to a guy called Ebenezer Lennox Scroggy. Oh. And it said on the grave, um, he was a mean man. And Charles Dickens wrote in his diary, what kind of life would somebody have had to be described as a mean man engraved on their gravestone? <laughs> anyway, it's a brilliant punchline. He misread it. And it said he was a male man. And it didn't say mean man. And, and Ebenezer, 
No, but Ebenezer Lennox Scroggy was a man from Fife. He was a really kind corn merchant who looked after poor people. But no, I don't think anyone in the world knew that Ebenezer Scrooge came from Fife. I never I knew mean, that. I nearly died. No, that one, no, I, I've never one, heard that story before. I've never heard that either. That so is, that was the kind of things. That yeah. is a fab and fact. And I tried to find the grave, but the grave, the grave was moved in 1938 because nobody knew it had any significance. Really? So, but the only evidence of it is that Charles Dickens wrote about it in his diary. So that's what I spent my lockdown doing. <laughs> we, we, we spotty intellectual things. I was like, this is fascinating finding things about your city that you that didn't you know. Knew. So I, I actually really enjoyed it from that I hope, point of view. I hope somebody's got that gravestone somewhere. Like they rock up at the like on the repair shop do. with Jay Blades. Like oh, that, that would be good. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. One half says Ed. Another one says Anisa. Anisa. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, 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 from that point of view, I started you. So I worked out we had to be out for an hour. So I thought if I only walk, I'm not going to see much. So I thought if I cycle, I'll see my radius is bigger. You've got a bigger radius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Craig, I Craig Hill to, widens your radius. There's, a, there's another short so title. I bought this book called 111 Things in Edinburgh You Should Know About. And this woman had written this book with all these things I'd never heard of. So every day I'd go. So I had to be a 15 minute cycle there, a half hour looking at it and taking photographs, and a 15 minute back. So you didn't break your rules. Break your rules. And and that, I, you know, then I, I realised, God, I'm quite good at filling time. I, I you know, even though you're yeah. not working, you're not doing stand up comedy, you have to find something that you find stimulating. And I found that was the thing that got me through it. Just exploring your own city and finding out wee things about its history, taking photographs, cycling, and then realising. It was actually quite a peaceful time, which we don't always have the time to do no. things like that. No, it, 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 and it was quite calming, and you know the world. I found it quite slowed calming. down. I mean, I quite as I say, I live in the city centre. You know, um, it's normally. You know, lots of traffic, you know, and something. Sandra! <laughs> you know, <laughs> Sandra, gonna let us in, you know. So all of that kind of stopped, you know, it just it was yeah. peaceful and like, like that. You could hear the birds. Did you actually enjoy that time? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, but I found out I'm quite, I'm quite the hermit. What was your, your hobbies? Did you have a new hobby? Or at all? Uh, I, I found a like mint arrow and monster munch at and playing championship manager in my pants to four in the morning. That's <laughs> I reverted to being. I'm going to that's, that's a beautiful story. Is it that's it? a I beautiful don't... story. But I, I kind of reverted to being like a 15 year old when empty. You know, you're like, there's no adults watching. Oh, I don't have to behave. So funny. So, <laughs> it was great. Do you know my favourite thing? My favourite thing about that is no one, nobody in Edinburgh that I know understands empty. <laughs> empty. I'm sorry. It's, well, it's such. I, I remember that Nisco Bride. Is, you know, as somebody in school, you would always go like that. Do you know, somebody, somebody was having an empty because their mum and dad were. I, I mean, love that word. Right. Okay, I, I mean, I, it, it does what it says in the tin, you know. Mum it and is, dad it's, empty there. it's empty. empty. You do what you want. So when um, did you when yeah. did you depart? Because we are obviously well, the you know this is the, the official Glasgow Comedy Festival podcast. So yes. When did you depart the the West Coast for the East Coast? Um, well, it's interesting because uh, basically I got into. Edinburgh uh, Drama College, Queen yes. Margaret College, and I didn't get into the one in Glasgow. So I auditioned for both. So if I'd gotten into Glasgow, I would have stayed in Glasgow. But I, so I didn't really move from Glasgow to Edinburgh, I moved from East Kilbride. East Kilbride, yeah, well, I mean, so, we can yeah, so, yeah, going to so, adopt you, I know that's Lanarkshire. Yeah, certainly. well, that's what I mean. So from my point of view, it was a bit like living in a new town then discovering a city. Yes, right. Uh -huh. And so I just ended up, I just loved that drama course, did that for three years, 
And then, of course, that's where you make all your friends. And that's where I, that's where I came out. I was in Langside College for a year, and, I, and apparently I was not gay. Were you not gay at Langside College? <laughs> no. Nah, I grew nah, up I'm, just around the corner for Langside College. I mean, I, I, went, I went to Bennett's. Did you? Uh-huh. But apparently I, I was not gay. I was just there with my gay pals. Were you, were you there and, on a uh, Tuesday night when it was heterosexual oh night? God. Absolutely, uh-huh. well, it was really funny. No, wasn't it? I um, <laughs> I I think I went there in a student night. But I remember what was really funny was that I had long hair, but I had hair. Okay, That's right. And I had really long curly hair. And somebody gayer than me said, "Your nobody's going to fancy you with that hair. What's that hair? But you need to cut that off." So I cut, <laughs> I, I cut it off. And somebody gave me the worst advice ever as a gay man. They said, "Stand, go to bed. Stand in a corner." And eventually somebody will chat to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that and absolutely nobody did. Nobody did. No. <laughs> Worst advice ever. And uh, I still know that guy to this day, actually. But um but yeah, so but the haircut did help, I have to say. Because I, I was a week in a pretending well, I was a kind of a goth. I was in a, I was in bands and stuff, and I used okay, to um, right. and, and oh, before I kind of, I kind of, was a goth. Yeah, I was, and I used to go to rooftops and Oh. Boy, which was like a kind of alternative kind of club in Glasgow okay. uh-huh. uh, on Socky Hall Street and uh, during the first band I went to see was Echo and the Bunnymen oh um, that's proper even though they're not they're not quite gothy but uh, this, you know um, what do you call them New uh, Wave isn't it sort of well yeah but I went to see what do you call the, the cult and alien sex fiend and I mean all these things you I'm... wouldn't think I'd be into and uh, <laughs> I remember one of my funniest moments was I used to have a long black coat, right? We hair all back combs, like like the Ian McCulloch, yeah. like the bunny man. And I'd go to Crystal's and East Bride, which always makes me laugh because you know how nightclubs in small towns always have a very highfalutin name. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Crystals. Crystals. I mean, there was, there was a place in East Bride called Downtown Miami. What? <laughs> downtown you couldn't Miami. get further away from Downtown Miami if you tried. <laughs> anyway, so I, I went to uh, Crystal's and I had my long black coat on, right? <laughs> and I remember dancing, you know, the killing time, unwillingly mine, yeah. dancing like a cool, moody, little goth, no smiling, side to side, your big black trench coat, your hair out your eyes, like, oh, <laughs> dead cool. And then Madonna come on. <laughs> and I remember, I remember it was like, I was like, oh no, oh no, I, I really want to dance to this, but. A goth would never dance to this. I'm no so, so I remember, I remember trying not to do it, trying not to do it, and then events that took over, and I went, I went mad dancing into the groove, and that's when I thought, I think I better tell people I'm gay, because <laughs> <laughs> it was becoming increasingly obvious. So I hadn't even told Mad- myself at that stage. But. Madonna's got a lot to answer for. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she has. She made me come out. Come out. Oh. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's. I, I went to drama college uh, for three years in Edinburgh. And then I was like, I was an, an actor, just like most of actors, you know, unemployed and in and out of work. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and the whole comedy thing happened because, uh, well, I worked at the Gilded Balloon actually as a, a box office and I didn't really go to see a lot of stand-up comedy. I didn't really know much about stand-up comedy. I didn't even know it existed. I just went to see a lot of theatre that was funny. Yes. And then my friend was a press officer at the Gilded Balloon. And she said to me, I actually think I'm having more of a laugh on a Sunday afternoon at the Blue Moon Cafe where you reading out the Sunday le- Sunday Post letters page. <laughs> <laughs> she said, then I am at work. And she said, I think you could do stand-up comedy. And I said to her, oh, no, it's all very well being the guy around the wee crowd being funny. It's very different to be the only person speaking on stage. So anyway, she booked a comedy gig without telling me. Okay, and, and she, that's... 
And she phoned the girl with the balloon and said, you know, the girl phoned it. And then she told me, she said, I've done something really bad. I said, what you done? She said, I booked a comedy gig for you. And I said, I'm not a comedian. She said, I think you are. I think so I phoned up the girl with the balloon and I said, my pal's booked a gig for me and I'm not a comedian. And I said, can I cancel that? Because I, I thought as an actor, that was quite unprofessional. I'm an actor. To say you do something. <laughs> I'll never get Shakespeare now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I thought, you know, because we were always trained to be really professional. And that sounded unprofessional. Telling somebody you do something you might not do. So they said, do you know, if you absolutely crap yourself until the 30 seconds before you go on stage, you don't have to do it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, all right. Okay. Oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have cancelled it then. So then I, it was a Tuesday night, which we know wouldn't necessarily be a good night. No, no, night. it's not the best. Uh, in, in a venue that I'd never done, had comedy before, not always a good idea. <laughs> um, the girl in me running it on a beat Tuesday. The guy went on before me and he just had quite a tough kick. And the guy went on before him, a tough kick. And instead of making me crap myself, I thought, oh, well, that's the worst thing could happen. Uh-huh. Same thing happened to them. And then I went on, and I think, I don't know if you remember this, but when I first started, I did Julie Andrews singing punk yeah, songs. I remember that. Yeah, I remember Julie Andrews. Yeah, um, yeah. Shelley Bassey sings the Smiths. And so I did that, and, you know, and that got a bit of a laugh. And then, yeah, and then basically somebody came up to me in a club a couple of weeks later and said, the, the comedy store in London are going around uh, Britain looking for comedians. Oh. And they, why don't you go in for the competition? So I went in for this competition. And what was interesting was because I thought I was an actor, uh, it didn't really matter if the comedy thing didn't work or not. So it the pressure was, what was, I was off? Yeah, I didn't know if it was what I was going to do. And what was really funny was, the so that gig, that this comedy competition was in the foyer of the King's Theatre in Glasgow, and wow. your audience was the 19 other comedians who were competing against you. <laughs> and, uh, and you didn't, there was no microphone, oh, there was no just... sound system. It was hosted by Fred Macaulay. And uh, four people got through on the Friday and four people got through on the Saturday. Ah. And then the next gig was in the King's Theatre. And so the then I was theater. thinking, yeah, so I was thinking, my God, if I'd been acting for four years and I've never gotten that King's Theatre and this comedy malarkey has got me here in three steps, yes. maybe there's, maybe there's <laughs> something in this. Yeah, so then I, so um. I got through that stage and then it went to London. And uh, it went to the comedy store in London. So I was like, this is bizarre. How has this happened? And Because I kept on thinking, I'm not really a comedian. But anyway, so then I got there. And then the final was in the comedy, uh, comedia, I think it was a comedia theatre in Leicester Square. Right. Uh-huh. And the, uh, everyone else, it was sponsored by Hooch. And everyone had a, a, a watch. Um, if, you, if you got through the last round, you got a watch. You got a watch. So I knew me and this. This lassie were really poor because no one else wore the watch except me and her. <laughs> so she's getting nothing. Her, exactly. So I said to her, oh my God, you've got the watch on and I've got the watch on. I said, everyone else is, I said, I'm mortified. And then I said to her, everyone else is taking the dead seriously. And I said, I thought it was supposed to be a laugh. Yes. Standard comedy. So what happened was, I, me, I hung out with her and everyone else was like, saying like, this is the gig of your life. You cannot mess it up. <laughs> and, and I just thought, well, you know, surely it's supposed to be more fun than that. And uh, because me and her were relaxed, she came first and I came second. Oh, amazing. So, Who was she? Did you remember her? Uh, Jocelyn G. Right. Oh, yeah, she yeah. She was yeah. so yeah. lovely, so funny. Um, she, and I just loved her. She's so she's such a lovely girl. But she was so funny. And then um, um, I think um, I think I won some money. I went out and bought leather choosers. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay, she then made the, the transfer over to the kilt, which became your... Your trademark. Yeah, and that happened because I used to work in a wee tourist shop in the Royal Mile and I had a kilt that I wore at work. And then when I first did the Edinburgh Festival, actually it happened quite interesting because 
So I did a show with two other people before I did an hour-long show at the Fringe. Yep, so in yep. 1999, uh, I was at the Gilded Balloon, and it was me and two other comedians, uh, Gordon Brunton and oh, yeah. Gordon. and and Jay, I can't remember James James's surname. Um, but anyway, the three of us were together doing 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, and I was in the middle. And I wanted to call the, the show Heterosexual Sandwich because <laughs> I was because I was the meat in the middle. Um, but Karen Corrin noticed that we all had strange beards, and she said, "No, you should call it Three Weird Beards," which is a terrible title, and that's what we called it. Yes. So we called it Three Weird Beards, and then. Um, the year after, <laughs> I just thought you I just thought you had to do a solo show straight away. I didn't realize people built up to a solo show for a couple of years. Yes. So I just thought because I because I worked at the Gilded the, the, the Balloon as in box office, I just thought, oh, well, you better do a show. Just do a show. That's so, that's, that's the next thing. So, yeah, so I knew because I sang, I should probably hint that you sang or hint the Julie Andrews. So the first show I ever did was called Craig Hills Alive with the Sound of Music. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted I wanted the poster to look like the Sound of Music. So I was thinking, how can I make it look like the Sound of Music with the carpet, the carpet bag, and the suitcase? And I thought, how can I get the silhouette without dressing up and drag as uh-huh. Julie Andrews, which I thought was a really bad idea. Yes, um, uh-huh, I get that. Anyway, so. The silhouette, I realised the kilt, the kilt silhouette was quite a similar silhouette. So, so I thought if I wear a kilt on the poster, that will look like the sort of music thing. So that's how I ended up starting wearing the, the kilt. And then when I first did stand-up comedy, I just wore trousers. And then when eventually the BBC did live floor show and they were looking for comedians, yes. and they, they asked me to do that, um, they said, oh, this, this kilt thing, actually, it's quite a nice look. Would you go with that? And I said, oh, yeah, because I, once I do that, that's me. I'll have to wear it. Forever. Forever. And actually, I'm really glad to do it because it's just quite a nice wee look and it's nice, it says, you know. And everybody, theory. you know, everybody knows it's you straight away. Do you know? Yeah, uh, but there's... what's really nice about, what's really nice about the kilt all over the world is it makes people smile. It's so yeah. lovely. You know, when you're in America or you're in um, Australia or you're, you know, doing gigs in Singapore, like they they just smile. It's smile. a really lovely reaction to a Scottish <laughs> yeah. tradition. And also, so, and, nice. and the off chance Folk that are uninitiated, you're not talking about your standard wedding kilt, you know. Out, you know, you've yeah. been very adventurous with your kilts well, over the I years. Mean, that was the thing because, because when I first started wearing the kilt, I thought, well, I'll look like I'm at a wedding <laughs> if I just if I just wear the standard kind of kilt. So I thought I realised that 21st century kilts and this guy Howie Nicholsby, I knew that he did a really interesting take on kilts and I was like oh my god leather and camouflage and yeah. and denim and I was like I thought they are so cool so I thought right I'll, I'll wear them so he um you know gave me those kilts and then I wore them and that was it and 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 it's helped you oh, you've you've became part of almost brand Scotland you know well you, you know you, you New York for Tartan Day and things like that what's that but you're not in New York for Tartan Day yes, hosted that yeah 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 yeah, I did. I was over there uh, for tap. That's really exciting. That's it's really nice. It's really lovely to go to uh, you know a big place like America or to go to New York. But to think how fond they are of their Scottish roots, it's so lovely. Oh, it's you know, really nice. Go, and someone's always telling you, you know, my grandfather invented the kilt. Like, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. Everybody's granddad invented the kilt. It wasn't used. And they, and they, and they, yeah, that that kind of tripe will try to. They, they, that they're desperately trying to claim some bit of heritage, you know. They'll yeah. tell you any old good, nonsense. I know, and the, the, the funny, the nice thing is, um, it, uh, it's funny, uh, he just reminded me, they used, they always used them, when I used to, when I worked in the wee tourist shop in the wee kilt years ago, uh-huh. when I was a student in the Royal Mile, and people, Americans used to come up and say, me, um, what is the difference between Gaelic, 
and Gaelic. And I say, well, the first one's Gaelic and the second one's Gaelic. <laughs> Very different <laughs> night out. <laughs> yeah, it was always quite funny. Like the, the part are you would... It's interesting when you think back, um, your comedy starts way earlier before you think it does, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When you've got another job, like when I was a hairdresser, I was a hairdresser before I was a, before I went to drama college, and I think that's a really good base for stand-up comedy because you just read people, you listen to yeah. people, you listen to their stories, and then you start to tell stories yourself, and you don't know you you don't really know them very well, so they're coming in, you'd be silly with them. Yeah. So I suppose that's where it starts, maybe. Well, I mean, well, mind I was a journalist before I done stand up, but like that, it was Where are you? it was I'm. I was in local newspapers. Was the the Rutherglen Reformer, which was a sister title of your local paper, the East Kilbride News. So, oh, that's really funny. That <laughs> but we were even smaller, like a, you know. But it's does, but it was the same thing. Like like sounds like a school for Neds in Rutherglen. Doesn't it doesn't. It? <laughs> the the Rutherglen Reformer. Reformer. Oh, there's a very long sort of strange. Possibly sectarian story behind that, so I'm not going to get into it. Uh, but, but no, but, but, but it was about that meeting people, and particularly, and you're you're from the paper, so that could be quite intimidating. So you've got to soften yourself up, and oh, that's interesting. You want stories off of them, so you've got to give a couple of stories. So that was kind of yeah. that started my sort of my younger. It's funny. It's, t- it's funny. I don't know whether anyone who becomes a comedian meant to become a comedian but then maybe maybe more now because you know how like when, when yeah. I started stand-up comedy there wasn't much comedy on TV there wasn't any Michael McIntyre there wasn't any live at the Apollo there was nothing it wasn't an industry think, oh I want to do that you had to see it in a comedy club yeah uh-huh. and then you know and sometimes the, the naivety of not knowing much about it is quite good because uh-huh. you say yes to everything uh-huh. and the only way to become good as a comedian is to say yes to everything you have to do every you have to go to Irvin, see a wee dodgy pub. You have to go to Mr. P's and Paisley. With Paisley, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the legend of Piero, you know. Yeah, uh, actually, you know, you, you, the only way to learn to do anything like that is stage time. And just keep you know, on just, doing just it. Just keep on doing gig, 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 and then, you know, but one you, day surely you're more comfortable. But you've always looked as if you're having an absolute whale of a time on stage. You know, you're not, you know. You've never ever looked at somebody that's found it difficult, no, you know, and no, your audience I, I, also look as if they're just having the, well, you know, the most fun. Job, I think part of your job uh, as, a, as a comedian is not to let the audience see any of the mechanics. Uh-huh. You know, you're still editing in your head. You're still going, oh, I need to get them at the back or, oh, I need to do that or, oh, they've not really got that bit. I need to get them with the next bit. I need to use so you're, you're working the whole time. You can't let them see any of that. Uh-huh. I actually, I don't think I would do it if I didn't get such a buzz from it. Yeah. Do you know, like, I did, I did a gig on Saturday night in, um, uh, where was that, in Livingston at the Howden Park Centre. Oh, lovely. That's, that's, so that's really nice in there. It's a lovely theatre, but there's yeah. a wee guy, in the, this guy who literally boots and I said, what are you doing? He says, what's your name? He said, William. I said, oh, Wally. Wally. I said, you'll, be, you'll just be my Wally in row three. <laughs> and then I said, what are you doing? He said, uh, I'm, um, I'm a baker. And I went, yum, yum. <laughs> Do you know, like, I love when you open it up to the audience yeah. because you just think on your feet and you think of things. And then I said, where do you bake? Where do you bake, Billy? There's a lassie in the front getting married. She might want a black for a scuttle for a for day of days. And he said, I bake in the Morrisons. And I went, the Morrisons? The Morrisons. The Morrisons. <laughs> Have you never seen that sign before? There's no other in that sign. <laughs> and the audience were loving it because nobody's ever called it the Morrisons. The Morrisons, I know. So it was, oh, this guy was an absolute highlight. And he just made the, the show for me. And then another guy at the back. 
I said, what do you do? And he said, there was a wee woman at the front called Anne. And I said, Anne, you look as if you've come to a pantone. You a wee bit like, this boy's no the way. I thought he was going to be. <laughs> and then there was a guy at the back. I said, what do you call yourself? And he said, the leather master. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And I said, oh, Anne, you probably think that's a guy that does sofas. <laughs> So you couldn't plan that. I don't know. No, you couldn't. And I didn't. I didn't improvise with the audience until. I mean, I always was, you know, stuck to the script until seven years after I started comedy. I was doing a gig. Yeah, I was doing a gig in open because people think I improvised from the beginning, but I didn't well, really. See that that right because. I think my first year at the Fringe, just going about watching stuff, was the mm. year of the you were done up as Julie Andrews. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alive with the Sin, and I'm sure I've seen you, and I thought, oh, he's just improvising. So there you go. I didn't no, know that I mean, at all. Maybe I did chat a wee bit, but I didn't really have the balls to do it. And then it did. It, the reason it happened was um, I was in Open doing this gig, and I mean, I might have improvised a bit, but I certainly didn't trust myself to do it. I didn't. I didn't try to do it. I just did it sometimes, maybe. But this, uh, but I didn't do it properly until I did this gig in Oban. And I was doing like, I, my show was like an hour and 15 minutes. And they said something, what time is the interval? And I was going, what? There's no interval. <laughs> and they said, oh no, this is Oban. Like, Aye. you make most of the drink during the interval. You you, you have to have an interval. interval. And uh, obviously not in a strong Glasgow accent. <laughs> was that the fella, was that the guy Davy the Ghost? Was he? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure because there was a guy book gigs up in Oban and he was and literally I love that. That's what I also loved about the scene. Then you had these weird and wonderful characters in parts of the world that had odd names as Davy the Ghost. Can I just show you something real that just happened while you were chatting uh-huh. there? You know how sometimes you're on an iPad, um, your emails come in. Uh-huh. I can't believe this. An email just came up. My agent just asked me if I'd like to do a gig in Ramsbottom. <laughs> <laughs> We know where Ramsbottom is, but it just came up on screen. And I, thought, I, need, I need to tell Scott. You've got to go to Ramsbottom. Just I need to go now. You've got to go so, now. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, um, I did this gig in Open, and I remember thinking, God, if I put an interval in, maybe I could use the first half to kind of open it up to the audience and see who they are and where they come from, what the names are, and see if I can think of things on my feet. And I did that. And that was the most fun I'd ever had on stage I, once I did that. I and then I phoned my agent and I said, stick an interval in all my gigs because I, I need to force myself to do this because it's actually a bit of a buzz, you uh-huh. know. Yeah. It makes your gigs really exciting if you don't know what you're if you don't know what you're gonna find. So you, you have got your material up your sleeve, you've got your yes. show you're gonna do. So you have got backup. So if you if you open it up and it doesn't go anywhere, you can do your show. But invariably there's always something, something. you can play with. Because well, you know, for a while, quite this is going to sound terrible. Famous for being a, a kind of handbag rummager, you, you would have a wee look at handbags. Handbag? Oh, going through someone's handbag uh-huh. in the audience. Was that? Oh, that was a metaphor for something terrible. <laughs> um, no, not really. Did not you know? No, I've done that before, but I've done it. I mean, I've done it two or three times, right, but so not many times. And it's always if the person was fine, you, you couldn't just nab it off them. I know. But um, some people don't mind, because some people actually, they're very aware that what's in the handbag is a riot. Uh-huh, yes. Do you know, like, I remember being at Dunfermline, and I, this woman was just ruffling through her handbag, and I, and I said to her, and I said, well, are you, you need to settle. What's happening? And then she was like, um, she's, um, um, I've just got, I need to go through this. And I went, do you mind if I go through it? So I would always ask if they yeah. minded. And she went, oh, fire away. She'd give me it. And of course, her hair was wild. And I'd pick up a brush. I'd pick up a brush and go, have these two met? <laughs> <laughs> and you could get funny. But you, you don't know. You have to be careful because people keep personal things personal. in their handbag. So you yes. have to be um, 
You have to be respectful. I have to be respectful of it. We are just going to take a short break to thank our official podcast sponsor, Sparkling Studios. I'm currently sat in their amazing studio, just a stone throw from the Barrowlands, and we're so thrilled that they are making this podcast happen. Whether you're looking for a studio to hire or full production and promotion, they'll create a bespoke package for you. Check out their website, all the W's, sparkling.scot, for more information. And now, back to the interview. Right, because we have blethered. I've not even get through half the things I was. I knew to... this. I thought, do you know, if you chat, if two people from the West Coast chat to each other, they'll be on for two years. I they'll be on for two years. And the thing is, if there's folk from elsewhere listening, hello and welcome. And welcome. <laughs> it's time for it. Uh, but no, just very quickly, um, we're going to do the thing we're, we're doing with everybody we're speaking to. We're doing a festival fast five. It's five questions that uh, but, I've written. But down you didn't know were going to happen. That, that you didn't know were going to happen. So, uh, interesting. V- very, very simple. Um, you know, a, a, wee, a wee minute on each, if you can manage, if that's all right. Well, let's just let's just fire away and see what it takes. Us. So, this is Craig Hill's uh, festival fast five. Could you give us a sixty-second elevator pitch of your show? Uh, me and a kilt dancing. Uh, like an idiot having a laugh with anyone who has the guts to sit at the front and tell them stories about everything that's made me laugh in the last year and probably finding lovely people in the audience to wink at. Lovely. (laughs) And the show is called Craig Hill Pumped. March no, the 11th. It's called Pumped. It's not called Creek Hill Pumped. Oh, it's just called Pumped. <laughs> I've fallen into that trap again. <laughs> um, here, this is a very standard question we're looking for. Uh, a favourite heckle you've either received or witnessed? Oh, my God. My un- my number one favourite heckle is I did a gig in the audience. There was a woman from Wales in the audience. She was talking like that for ages. She's going to believe it like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, she was dying to go to the toilet and uh, she was in her late 60s and she gave me my favourite heckle in that thick Welsh accent I've ever had in my whole life. She crossed her legs and said, oh, don't make me laugh when I laugh, my fanny cries. (laughs) (laughs) And I have told that joke for a long time because it's my favourite heckle I've ever had. That's fun. Imagine describing it as crying. A crying. So, and I'm not joking. So many people know that I do that, that the other night in in um, in um, the Houghton Park Centre in Livingston, this woman left and I said, and I was like, where are you going? She went, my fanny is great and I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Anne in the front, who'd never seen me before, was going, what the hell have I come to? <laughs> so it was really good fun. Uh, so it is, the, it is the Glasgow International Comedy Festival and we're just asking people what their kind of favourite memories or Glasgow stories are. Well, my favourite thing that happened in a show in Glasgow, which I think could only happen in a show in Glasgow, there was a woman in the audience that everyone was calling glitter tits. Because <laughs> 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 she had a glitter, well, if I say everyone, me, uh, yes. she had a glittery top on and she she was, uh, she just, she had big boobs and uh, there was a guy who was uh, fancied her up the right. back. That doesn't sound right. Guy at the back who fancied her. Yeah. <laughs> and he was from Rio. And he was from, and he said, I like the sound of the woman in the franchise because she was such a riot, this woman. And she said she was single and all that. And he said, Is maybe she available for a date? And this woman <laughs> shouted at the back, No, you're all right, son. I've already got a Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, that's the kind of part you get in Glasgow. That's what that, that, 
that's what you love about that because nobody cares they'll just say exactly what they think yes you'll get exactly what's on their mind at that particular exactly. moment wonderful uh, and if people are visiting Glasgow what would be your recommendations of a must season do's if you've got time to kill and time to spend in Glasgow I mean, it depends if you're a foodie, get yourself up Finiston. Oh, aye. Uh-huh, yes. Because, you Always know, I've got some fantastic food up the Finiston. Up the Finiston. <laughs> By um, the granite I mean, Finiston. don't need to promote them, but the Ox and Finch. Oh, they, right. I just love the food up there. And the Finiston itself is lovely. In fact, every single bar on that beat area is That's fantastic. That's a great um, oh, and I love Bad. Have you heard of Bad? The Barrows yeah. Art, Art and Design. Yes. I love that place. That is where the studio is. <laughs> we're we're oh, there just it? now. Oh, yeah, I didn't know about <laughs> well, the... well, anyway, I discovered that recently and I went through and I just thought that is so cool. Right in the heart of Glasgow's ball is the Barrows. Yes. And I just love the fact it's in the Barrows because, you know, we all grew up with the Barrows. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, so, yeah, I, that's what I would take. I would take somebody to Bad. I love the fact it's called Bad. Bad. Bad is <laughs> art and design. So it's Bad with two A's. Two A's. Um, yeah, that's what I would do. I would hang about there uh, and have a bit of... I love that area. It's good fun. And uh, I think they've got that beautiful venue, St. Winks. Oh, St. Winks and the Winged. St. Winks. St. Winks. St. Winks and the Winged. Oh, ox, isn't it? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it looks at the winged ox. This is full. Yeah, so uh, I think that's quite a nice wee kind of music venue. Or I think they do other events yep. as well. Anyway, just, yeah, that's what oh, I well, That's the one yeah. venue that, because the, you, you, when you play that gig, because I played that gig with Michael Redmond. I've never actually played it before. Uh-huh, I, and you've got, you've got the biggest organ in Scotland behind you, believe it or not. Well, that's, 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 that's worth singing up for. I think, I think that's... <laughs> oh, that's lovely. We should, we should do a wee night in there. Wait, you have to say that. Do you know what I think? I do you know I think Oren Moore is a beautiful place to do stand-up comedy. I absolutely love that space. It's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. I love it. I love upstairs. I like the bar. I like down- downstairs is a perfect little comedy club, isn't uh, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, with that low ceiling, that low... I love it. I've, I've done much stand-up comedy and my gig there for the Glasgow Comedy for, for years now. And perfect sight lines. You never, you know, you don't need to worry about anything, you know, and people know how to behave. Uh, and you and get that- a lovely glass of wine upstairs. A lovely glass of wine upstairs. <laughs> one, of my, one of my Irish friends I was with her recently, and I said, Ma, I said, Mandy, what do you want to drink after you've been asked? And she said, just give me an ABC. And I was like, what's, what's an ABC? And she said, anything but Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I love that. I'm going to use that. That's anything brilliant. but Chardonnay. <laughs> I love that. And I'm going to, this is our very, very last Festival Fast Five. It is just because everybody likes to have a joke to take away. Do you have a favourite joke? Just a Yours or an I mean, old classic? Well, I haven't. I mean, my favorite, you know, I would say that I just tell stories, but my favorite actual joke, which isn't my joke, but is my, is, is my favorite joke, yeah, yeah. is um, um, a lassie in, Gla- in Glasgow went into a dentist. Right. And she sat in the chair, and the dentist went, Comfy? And she went, Govin. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite joke. Oh, that's brilliant. Joke book or something, but I just thought that is that is so funny. I love that. Oh, that's it's what... about it's about Glasgow patter, but it's about Scottish language and anything about Scottish language. I love. Yeah, I, yeah, because we that's those double meanings and you know, entendres. Yeah, and it's like a wee end joke between us. Yes, you know, like you know, you need to know Scottish patter to know those how that works. Things. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. brilliant. Well, Craig, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, your show is at the uh, Oran Moore on March the 11th. And March the 11th, Friday, March the 11th, that's right. And tickets are available, are they, uh, on 
www.glasgowcomedyfestival.com. Uh, That's right. And they, they'll, they'll be available. Hopefully, by the time this podcast goes out, they'll, they'll all be gone. But <laughs> I think, well, that's what one would hope. Um, I think you can get them on my website as well. It's just, do you know, I could never get craighill.com because that was a real estate agent in America. Really? That's <laughs> odd because I had a, a, a Florida, a Florida realtor had, had mine as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. So but he died and I bought it. Oh, <laughs> so, oh did you? Yes. Is that true? <laughs> oh, my God. I never even thought to check if they're still there. But it's called mrcraighill.com and that Glasgow gig is on that. So mrcraighill.com. Sounds highfalutin, didn't it? I couldn't get Craig Hill. <laughs> so Mr. Well, that's wonderful. So, thank you very, very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and we shall see you soon and have a great festival. Nice to chat to you, Scott. That was good fun. Thank you very much. See, see you soon. Bye bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Craig Hill. Now we're going to move on to the section of the show we call the Festival Fast Five. The questions we posed for our Festival Fast Fives were Give us your 60 second elevator pitch of your show Your favourite heckle you've received or witnessed Your favourite Glasgow memory or story What are the Glasgow must-see and do's for visitors to the city And what's your favourite joke Uh, You'll hear from Vanity Von Glow whose show The Vanity Project is on the 23rd of March at 8pm at 18 Candlerigs The Vanity Project is a live talk show being recorded at the Glasgow International Comedy Festival, hosted by myself, Vanity Von Glow. I'm a drag queen, so you can expect that it will be very whimsical, tongue-in-cheek. I'll be chatting to Scott Agnew, comedian, Alice Rabbit, drag queen, and Alison Thewlis, MP for Glasgow Central. So the subjects will vary from the ridiculous, maybe even to slightly the serious, and then back again, because we'll be getting absolutely pished. Now, I don't have a favourite heckle because I am a diva and nobody heckles me at my shows. I wish they would. I wish they would, but they're too busy crying into their into their handkerchiefs, applauding, throwing flowers. I do get heckled backstage, though. Candy Heels, a drag queen in London, she loves to call me an ugly crossdresser, which, you know, you've just got to laugh. My favourite joke is Nancy Clench. A Scottish drag queen who puts her makeup on with nothing but her thumbs makes me laugh out loud. What is something that people should see or do in Glasgow? They have to see or do me. In fact, don't see me, just do me. I will cut a hole in a wee toilet cubicle stall and you can do me through that. Jamie McDonald, whose show Reasonably Adjusted is at Van Winkle's West End on Thursday the 17th and Friday the 18th of March. What's my show about, Uh Reasonably adjusted. Um, well, the New York Times, right, which is America's answer to the Daily Record, they, they ran a poll. What is the worst thing that could ever happen to you? Blind came number one. Right? Knocked out the park. Fucking thrashed cerebral palsy. HIV. Being from Edinburgh. Right? No joke, it beat being dead. Guys, I don't think it's that bad. And that's what my show is about. Setting the record straight on blindness, you know, because some people, they decide what my disability should mean to me, right? My doctor, my frickin' doctor, said to me, well, it's because of your eyes. You don't have children, yes? No. Well, you would say that, wouldn't you? I mean, that is a hell of an assumption. Like, I was so pissed off, right? I told him to get his finger out of there, pass me my pants, I'm off. Yeah, come and see Reasonably Adjusted.
I think the, the best heckle I've ever heard was in Airdrie Town Hall. It was an awful gig. Nobody wanted to be there. And the compere was having a shocking time. And just a guy went, just oh, get on with it. My, my favourite joke is uh, from a, a comedian that, that died quite recently called Jethro. He was a, a guy from Cornwall. Um, and a, a guy goes into a florist and asks for a bunch of roses for his wife. And the lady says, oh no, we're not a florist, we're a... We're a circumcision clinic. He said, oh, but you've got flowers in the window. What do you suggest we put in the window? Uh, my favourite Glasgow memory has to be when I got lost in Kelvin Grove Park. Right? It's, it's when I realised that the Glaswegians, they see the man and not the disability, right? Because I came off of the path uh, and I was in the bushes uh, looking like a, like a proper creepy weirdo. And I just heard this guy aggressively running over at me shouting CUNT and I turned to face him and he stopped dead in his tracks and went oh sorry mate didn't see the white stick eh? thought you were a pedo but then just ran off and left me what should somebody see or do in Glasgow well if you're a bigot uh, the orange walk's always a fun day out <laughs> That brings to conclusion uh, the first official Glasgow International Festival podcast sponsored by Sparkling Studios. I'd like to take the time to thank my guests once again. So a big thank you to Craig Hill, Vanity Von Glow and Jamie MacDonald. Please remember to buy your tickets at www.glasgowcomedyfestival.com and please follow us on your social media at Glasgow Comedy. That's on the Instagram and the Twitter. And thank you. I've been Scott Eckman.